Chapter 6, Fog on Fog, The Hughes Paragraph Semper Occultus, Always Secret Motto, MI6, Britain's Secret Intelligence Service By the spring of 2002, lots of questions were emerging about U.S. President George W. Bush's official story of 9-11. Because a leaden silence surrounded that trend in the mainstream media, discussion of these issues was initially limited to university lectures, coffeehouse teach-ins, and alternative websites. The official story was slippery, but could be summed up like this. A small group of Muslim terrorists known as Al-Qaeda claimed 3,000 innocent American lives in four coordinated attacks, which included the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center. The terrorists were jealous of American freedoms and prosperity and led by the wealthy and ruthless Osama bin Laden. Among the challengers of the Bush version were citizens of many countries, academics, students, political activists, and some family members of 9-11 victims. Fox News host Bill O'Reilly invited 9-11 family members to appear on his show so that he could berate them for their lack of patriotism and at the same time showcase his own. It was not a pretty sight. I believe that it was urgent to debate the veracity of the official story because it was being used to justify the invasion of Afghanistan, a possible war on Iraq, and the looming rollback of civil rights in the U.S. and Canada. It looked to me as though 9-11 could justify a perpetual war on terrorism in which citizens would willingly give up personal freedoms in exchange for state security. I had hoped to cast a spotlight on the inconsistencies of the Bush narrative. Scrutiny was the only tool I had. Access to actual inside information around national security is almost always beyond the reach of even the most diligent of investigators. In any country, national security is a synonym for secret. I learned to expect that from the late and unparalleled spy writer John le Carré, Englishman David Cornwall in real life, best known for The Spy Who Came In From The Cold. Cornwell told me in a long-ago radio interview that nothing in the universe is murkier than the world of intelligence. It's fog on fog. His 20-plus espionage thrillers illustrate that intelligence laws are not only secret, but obscure, contrary, and subject to frequent manipulation. The resulting chaos is captured brilliantly in 2008's A Most Wanted Man. Skepticism, of course, is a basic requirement for journalists. With that, and with Cornwell's informed analysis, I approached all 9-11 speculation with suspended disbelief. I assumed two things. One, appearances cannot be trusted. And two... They're usually designed for a specific purpose. 
my perception was that Mossad, Israeli intelligence, was informed and proactive, which was consistent with its history. In Get the Truth, I reported Mossad's claim to have forewarned the American authorities of the coming attacks. Unsurprisingly, details of the warnings were not revealed by any source I found. My sources were several other credible publishers of Mossad's claim. They included the Jerusalem Post, the London Daily Telegraph, and Fox News, among others, none of whom, to my knowledge, had been accused of anti-Semitism. I was astounded then to be so maligned. I believe that if Mossad had alerted their American allies, they must also have alerted their nationals, whom they perceived to be in danger. I saw no malice in that action. Further, my understanding was that no country is entitled to bypass the government of another and alert foreign nationals of perceived danger. Sharing foreign intelligence with American citizens was the exclusive right of the U.S. government. If such a protocol applied, Israeli intelligence could not have shared any information directly with American tenants in the Twin Towers before September 11th. The stunning fact was that whatever American intelligence agencies knew about forthcoming attacks, the American government took no apparent action to protect their citizens. The fatal negligence and incompetence appeared to be theirs alone. The former Israeli tenants bore no responsibility that I could see. And Mossad appeared to have acted to save the lives they could. But I left myself vulnerable when I wrote, Israeli businesses, which had offices in the towers, vacated the premises a week before the attacks, breaking their lease to do it. About 3,000 Americans working there were not so lucky. Those two sentences would eventually be referred to in law as the Hughes Paragraph. That clumsy juxtaposition of those sentences was eventually used to distort my character and crush my chances to win a seat in Canada's Parliament. The information about the move from the Towers was provided by independent American journalist Mike Rupert in his seminal book about the world's declining oil economy, Crossing the Rubicon. A former Los Angeles police officer, Rupert wrote with a passion for details and had a record of breaking important stories. Among others, he predicted the financial meltdown of 2008 and its lack of consequences for the guilty, who prospered beyond their wildest dreams. Rupert claimed to have two independent sources about the move both of whom insisted on confidentiality, which he refused to break. A later explanation offered for that move was that the exiting firm had decided to leave months earlier, breaking their lease as a routine cost of business. Any further details from Rupert's sources were sealed forever when he allegedly committed suicide in 2014. In any case, the focus of my column, Get the Truth, was that not one Canadian should serve in Afghanistan until the true motives for a new wave of U.S. military aggression in the Middle East were established. I considered this the real work of journalism, an alert that 
As usual, more was going on than met the public eye. My column was an invitation to think. When I filed that fatal column in 2002, a seemingly impenetrable fog hovered over the truth of 9-11. Twenty years have passed, bringing a wave of citizen inquiries and scholarly publications examining contrary claims in the official story. For many, 9-11 remains the most brazen false flag operation in history. Others fully accept the verdict of the 2004 9-11 Commission report, which affirmed the original culprits and their motives. According to Harvard University's Kennedy School, the retaliatory war on Afghanistan, though never declared, is America's longest war, costing two trillion borrowed dollars and at least a quarter of a million lives. The war also generated two and a half million refugees desperately in need of a home. Ultimately, 158 Canadians were killed serving in Afghanistan. Canadian Armed Forces report that 191 veterans of the war have committed suicide. And the world now spends about $450 billion a year on surveillance and security. The fog around 9-11 persists, thick, heavy, and apparently unmoving over the dead, and those who mourn their loss.